month, month and a half, or two months ago. That's when the deal was finalized. And who is the new owner? Well, it's the family from the Walmart Corporation. They do not like circumstances that are not 100%. And when the Broncos were beaten last week 51-14 to in an embarrassing loss to the Los Angeles Rams, and that is embarrassing, I think the front office said this man, even though he is a rookie, is not getting things done. This team was not prepared to play. Uh, therefore, it's time we make a change. And even on Christmas Day, they said they were actually the next day after Christmas, hey, you got to go. I'm afraid you're, you're just not getting the job done here. And they brought in Jerry Rosberg, who actually was on the staff. He's a senior assistant on the team. But the fact is that Nathaniel Hackett simply wasn't getting things done the way they thought they should be. And even as a young coach, and he was in his first year, the fact that they weren't succeeding to the, not necessarily to the expectation, but to the proper level of what professionals should, they, they weren't ready to play last week. You don't lose games like that. And so they said, hey, we better pull the plug here and start over again. I'll tell you who's going to be a candidate for it. Sean Payton. And Eric Bieniemy. Remember yeah. now, Eric Bieniemy played his college football out there at Colorado. So he will be a primary choice. To, well, we'll just see. We'll see how it morphs out. Kind of interesting, too, because uh, there were some red flags early in the season with uh, with the Denver Bronco coach because the very first game of the season, clock management was a huge huge issue i mean it was embarrassing the way that the the broncos ended that game and they actually had to hire somebody to manage the clock for the coach now that's um not a good sign well he, keep no. in mind he's a rook he's a rookie coach and probably learning the ropes everybody learns the ropes somewhere along the line but you don't really expect to see that in the nfl and they did more than anything else though their their team their team has had big injury problems, especially the offensive line. And with a Russell Wilson at quarterback, you expected a whole lot more offense. Their offense is DAL. And I'm not going to tell you what the acronym means, but it means they're in last place. Yep. Now, Josh is with us today, and I'll get Josh's opinion on this, and then we'll switch back to Ned. Ned said that uh, the front office was – like, hey, he's got to go. But I read some articles this week that said Russell Wilson was really the guy that got this coach fired. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Russell Wilson, I think we've learned more about Russell Wilson since he went to the Broncos than we ever knew about him <laughs> playing for Seattle, about his attitude and and what other people in the locker room think about him and things like that, which is disappointing because it's not good stuff. He seems to be a bit of a prima donna when it comes to his expectations. Um I, I still think it's kind of weird. I always think it's weird in the NFL when a coach gets fired before the end of the season, especially, like you said, Ned, when there's just a couple of games left because, honestly, the reason they probably got beat 51 to whatever is because they're out. They've been out for a long time, and they may be uh, tanking the rest of the season mm -hmm. to see if they get a better draft pick. But new ownership comes in. They want to put their stamp on things immediately, so – that guy was in a no-win situation at that point. I don't think there is such a thing as a player tanking. I, I really don't because they don't have any dog well, in true, the hunt. True. organization does, but they do not. And uh, from that aspect of things, uh, I think it was kind of a, a rather interesting situation. But uh, like you, though, I'm a little surprised they didn't wait till the end of the season. And yet, by the same token, it does give them a head start on what right. they do. Right, that's true. Well, yeah, and it, it with just a few games left, that's that's why. I mean, if it was mid season, okay, they think they can get somebody else in there, get the the uh, 
game plan fixed and move on. But with just a few games left, you're like you're not going to be able to redo anything. You're still going to be playing the same football that you were playing before. Here's, I think, one of the giveaways to last week in the 51-14 loss that really had them bothered. The Denver Broncos defensive backfield is the best in the NFL. They're young. Patrick, well, two of them are Alabama guys. Mm-hmm. And they play well. They played very well. They got torched last week by a makeshift ball club that is, well, actually, that, that's really unfair to say because they are still playing as professionals. But that should not have happened. And right. I think that was a red flag right there that this guy, they weren't ready to play. Mm-hmm. And it's up to the coach to get him ready to play. There's also, the key. also found it really interesting that Sean Payton, Kind of announced that he was uh, putting together this all-star cast of coaches to work with them with no team. And then as soon as he announced that, just right afterwards, boom, Denver fires their coach. Would you be surprised if Peyton took over that job oh, next no. year? No, 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 not at all. No. I, Sean Peyton's a quality coach, had a Super Bowl champ with the Saints, and had a long run with the New Orleans Saints. But by the same token, though, there is such a move for diversity in the NFL and such a level of criticism coming from the fact that there are so few, there are black coaches, but few black coaches. Then, and you have some quality guys like a B enemy and people like that who are probably going to be candidates. That would surprise me a little bit. But by the same token, Peyton's a fine coach. And no, they wouldn't go wrong having him. I just see that as being maybe since he's going to be able to kind of pick and choose his spot. Sean Payton, that he's going to look for the right opportunity to step into. And that's with Russell Wilson at quarterback, a fairly decent defense. You've got pieces there. That may be the place that he might want to pick. Except there may be another one forthcoming. Cliff Kingsbury may be gone with the Arizona Cardinals. They haven't played well. And they have Kyler Murray. Yeah. And here's a a different style quarterback and a younger quarterback. And Payton might want that situation more than he would Denver. Very Furthermore, true. it snows in December in, in, in Denver, and it doesn't end in Phoenix, Arizona. Right. <laughs> You're listening to Ned Talk, your local live sports talk show, right here on 104.7 The Cave. It snows everywhere anymore, Ned. That just uh, seems to be the kind of way that it is. Let's uh, talk about last week's game. I said to you when you came into the studio, I said, you know, the Chiefs keep winning. They just don't do it in impressive fashion. And mm-hmm. last week was another example of that. Yeah, well, they cover the spread. It's the first time I think. <laughs> oh. that, hey, you got it. It's not, hey, that's, that's a big not a thing. laughing matter, guys. No, that's big. Especially when you take a look at what might be happening in Missouri here a le- little bit later on in 2023 when legalized gambling goes before the uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate, the Congress of the state of Missouri. Anyway, that's that's beside the point. <laughs> Had did cover the spread first time in ten games that the Chiefs have been uh, above the point spread in the game. Seattle, I thought, played miserable football, and Kansas City just put their foot on the pedal, beat them up in the very start, and then saw that this was not going to be all that much of a contest. I was uh, Geno Smith. I don't know what in the world he was doing back there. He was not effective at all. It may have been because the Chiefs were very good on defense, putting Mm -hmm. a lot of pressure on him. And it was a cold day up there, but Seattle looked like they said, the hell with this. We don't want to play. So, hey, they cashed it in. Did you watch any of the game, or are you still watching highlights? Just highlights. But in the (laughs) highlights, uh, it looked to me like the Chiefs just kind of plodded along. Like they weren't, they didn't have a, they didn't feel a sense of urgency. They didn't feel like they had to dominate, but they were dominant. I mean, they were dominant in time of possession. They were dominant. They just 
you know, they scored when they wanted to. It was kind of like a methodical, we'll score this time and then punt a couple times and then we'll score this time. And then they, you know, they built up the score. I, yeah, I mean, they. I don't know. The Chiefs are so, they're such a Jekyll and Hyde team because they have the ability to totally dominate anyone, but they don't. Case they win, point. but they're still winning. And they still have that need to win because they're in a they're in a fight with the Buffalo Bills for the top seed. And that will include next week's game with the Las Vegas Raiders no matter what happens. Right. They have they need to win that one. All right. Here you have a situation that you say they plotted through and and they did and, and they kind of meet the they meet the circumstances. This team they're playing today, the Denver Broncos, Chiefs led them 27 to nothing. Yeah. Out of M M Power, is that what they call the stadium? Yeah, something like that. Anyway, they let them mile 20, 27 nothing. Yeah. It's always mile high. Yeah. 27 to nothing let them. And then all of a sudden, here came Denver right back right. into the ballgame and made it close. Mm-hmm. It was a six-point margin, I think, at the very end. But the fact is, Kansas City still has that winning knack about them. They may not, they may not be so how can I how can I term this? Omnipresent that they're right. going to wallop every team. But they do have the ability to do that. If they need to score, they will score. Well, what concerns me is the lack of quality teams that they played here at the end of the season. They have not played a really a, a team with a winning record since December 4th when they played Cincinnati. They played Denver, Houston, Seattle. Here they are against Denver again, and then next week against a, a Raiders team that's in disarray. So I, that's what concerns me. It's hard to turn on and turn off that type of play and the intensity that you face in a game, especially a playoff game, against a really good quality opponent. Well, here's a, just a little bit of digestive material for you. Denver's blown out, blown out, blown out last week, 51-14. Embarrassing loss. Almost to a team the next week after the, in the NFL, that team comes back and plays a whole lot better. See what happens today because Denver is a better football team. And they're not very good, but they're a better football team than that. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys this. You know, we refer to trap games every once in a while. I don't think this no, is a no. trap game at all. But do you think the Chiefs also feel like that they have something to prove this week after playing so poorly in Denver? I mean, Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions in that game. No, I don't think so. I don't even think that resonates with them. I think they're playing game per game per game, one at a time. That's how Andy Reid coaches. He gets the team all set to go for a specific challenge like this. Uh, they Sure, they'll look at film of that game, but no, in terms of being a disturbing factor, no. I don't do think, think so. I think that they need to have a sense of urgency at this point because I agree with you if you're pl- they're kind of playing down to the level of their of their opponent which is not a good thing because like you said they're playing lesser teams going into the playoffs and that is I mean it's you talk all the time about mindset and all of that the way that they mentally prepare for these games and if they go into the playoffs thinking we can just kind of plod along and win they're going to get stomped by somebody, especially a team like Buffalo or or some of these other teams in the AFC that are stout. So I feel like they need to ramp it up if they want to get in playoff mode. And they've got the opportunity here with two division games that they're going to be tough. They're always tough. I mean, that's a tough division. No matter what the record says, They the, these teams play each other very well. 
and they need to show that they are the best team in this division, dominate the Broncos, dominate the Raiders, and move into the playoffs with that attitude of we're going we're gonna to do this to everybody. And Josh, that's a good point that you bring up, too. And I'll tell you where that may come to the fore, what you say, and I don't think there's a lot of credibility to what you said then. But in regards to the Chiefs playing in the playoffs, if they are forced to play in the first round and it would be against a wild card team, there's where it comes to the fore because a team that made the wild card is substantially better than some of these people they've been playing. Right. And that's where it could come back to haunt them. Well, as it stands, I think last week, they would face Miami in the first round of the playoffs. And I, I wouldn't relish that matchup. If Tua is the quarterback. Yeah, if yes. Tua is healthy, then that is a tough team for could sure. Could you imagine playing Tyree Kill in the first round of the playoffs? He, he, yeah. he would have... He would have in his mind, I'm going to burn these so-and-so. Yes. <laughs> so-and-so's. So-and-so's. I like that. I like that a lot. So what do we know, what do we know about the new coach for the Kansas for the Denver Broncos? Kansas City has not changed their coach, by the way. Let me, let me senior, stop right there. Senior associate coach. He, he's been with the program and understands what the game plan is, but he hasn't been a, a head coach. He's an assistant. He's an older guy. And uh, Rosberg will do he, – he'll do fine. He'll just get them collected. He'll make them focus on the game. He'll have the team together. It is a change, and I don't care what the situation is with any team. When you make a change in leadership like this, it has an effect on everybody. Yeah. It may not be a substantial resonating effect, but it does change their thinking a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised to see this team come back and play well. I think Denver has the capabilities not, not beating the Chiefs. They're not going to do that. But – in regards to playing better football, I think you'll see them play that. Furthermore, it's the Chiefs and the Broncos, and they are division rivals. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this guy's in a tough situation because they basically just said, okay, it's your turn. See what you can do. You know, he's got to try to get these guys motivated. He's got to get these guys to play better than they've been playing, and and, and he has to handle whatever's going on with Russell Wilson. So. It's funny we're just we're sitting here. We have ESPN on in the studio. They just did a story, mini little brief about Jerry Rossberg, and then right afterwards, who did they throw up there? Sean Payton. They threw up Sean, Sean Payton. Payton, and he still is. And Ned brought this up when we were doing the sports um, during Mike the intern's vacation. He mentioned it that Sean Payton is still under contract to the Saints, so there would have to be some sort of compensation. To get Peyton, and that may be a holdup for the Broncos because they're right now looking at a top three pick, and they may not want to trade that away just to get Sean Payton. Might not. There, there's a lot of variables that go into this. Yeah, that's not a done deal, and, and nor is anybody we mentioned. Eric Bieniemy is not a done deal. He's what has he had five interviews or something? Oh yeah, come out. Uh, without the job. So, I, again, there's so many factors involved that it's really ridiculous to even try to speculate on them. Oh, but what we do, we do the ridiculous. <laughs> we sit here and we speculate. I love it. 45 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show. I'm Joe Weston with Josh Roberts, Neb Reynolds. We're sitting around talking about sports. The defense did play a little bit better last week, but Seattle doesn't have much of an offense. A couple of times, though, they seem to be able to get their running game going against the Chiefs, and that's concerning. The Chiefs have been gutted a couple of times. In the game a couple of weeks ago when they played in Denver, I believe the number is 5.6. They averaged 5.6 yards per run. And, yeah, they can run. Chiefs, they kind of pull back a little bit on the run. They, the Chiefs are very aggressive on defense, and that is aggressive getting into the backfield and being disruptive. Well, 
you can beat them on draw plays and things like that. But can uh, by, I'm talking about individual plays now and not games. Still, you have to have an overall game plan that is pretty good, and I don't think Denver has that at all. So I, I really don't think that the Chiefs have any difficulty today in winning the game. Now I'm going to change the subject just a tiny little bit, Joe, with your permission, and tell Mr. Roberts here that I don't care who the other teams were on the field yesterday, the four who were in the semifinals, your Crimson Tide would have kicked the behinds of all well, of them. Well, well, yep. wait, wait. Now we, I, I want to talk about that in the second segment of the show. I just said, I just said I'm changing the gears on you. You're, you're, being, you're being preemptive. I think we need to give that its its whole own segment. Well, so we you can guys, do that. How much time do we have remaining? Oh, and this one? Well, we've got about three and a half minutes. Do you want to go ahead and start talking about it? Hell yeah. All right. Hell yeah. We'll go ahead and start talking about it. Yesterday, uh, the uh, Final Four matchup uh, happened, and also to the matchup in the, I think it was, was it the Sugar Bowl or the Peach Bowl? Sugar. Sugar Bowl, where Alabama played against K-State, and it looked good for the first quarter. K-State had the lead part of it, and then uh, Alabama just turned on the Jets and came over. They're a very, very good team. Alabama. I thought the turning point, to me, the turning point in that game was that K-State was on the march. I think it was 14-10. to 10. They had the ball down in the Alabama red zone. They were really close. They tried to play power ball with Alabama. Couldn't knock it through on third down. Then went to a pass play that they should have completed. They had Alabama beat, and it would have given them the lead going into halftime. And I think that, to me, was the turning point of the game. And what happened yeah. afterwards was the turning point. Yeah, they, they Alabama missed. marched down the field and scored a touchdown and then got the ball to start the second half. Five, five plays. Five plays, and they're in the end zone. And this is with less than two minutes to go. That is, that is how good Bryce Young and that team is. And you say, well, they're playing Kansas State. K-State beat good TCU, team. folks. Good team, yeah. And they played, TC, they played TCU twice. Uh, beat them once in the championship game, lost to them in a very close game by one point in the previous game, they're, they're, a par with, and they're on a par with the best teams in the country. And Alabama blew them out of the ballpark, 45-20. to 20. And the 20, that's misleading because that was a tack-on touchdown at the end of the game. It was out, they outscored, they being Alabama, outscored Kansas State, I want to say 35 to nothing at one point in that game. Mm-hmm. And I think they, away. they should have kicked a field goal at that point, not tried for the fourth down play and put the points on the board. Agreed. And oh, yeah, it's all about momentum, especially yeah. in college football. I mean, that that is a huge turning point because getting nothing deflates all those players because they put out all that effort and got nothing out of it. Ten-minute drive, nothing. Yeah, And then for Alabama to immediately score again. You have to understand, Chris Kleiman's been around. Chris Kleiman was on the staff at SMS back about uh, 17, 20 years ago. Hmm. What's SMS, by the way? What does that mean? Southern Methodist? Chris Kleiman was on that staff. He wasn't a head coach, assistant coach. He's very bright. Had four national champions at North Dakota State. Knows knows football back and forth. What What he determined then was... I better score a touchdown because field goals aren't going to do me any good. This team is that good that they can negate that with no problem at all. That's why he went for the touchdown. Yeah, I I just disagree with it. I think you just you got to put points on the board. You don't take points off. You put them on. So that's well, he just what he was. He had that tight end was free out there, and just the pass didn't work. Yeah, yeah. But you know, all the head coaching jobs that I've been offered, I've turned those down. So <laughs> yep, exactly. When we come back, we'll talk more about the Final Four. Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. (laughs) You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 
back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. 35 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show. Until then, you've got us, Ned Reynolds. What a pro. He was just out in the hall. He asked me how much time we have. I said, minute. Comes in, sits down, ready to go, ready to talk sports. I love it. I love it. I was so anxious. I thought I'm going to be well, able to start. This was. I thought this was Resurrection Sunday. I've got the wrong <laughs> show. <laughs> I thought this was Q102. I was sitting in their studio. I was going to talk sports over there. No, you're here in the cave. We got you. We love you. We want you here. So let's talk about the Final Four yesterday. And uh, if you're a football fan, if you're a fan of offense, those two games were extraordinary offensive football games, and they both came down to the yeah, very end. Yeah. Exactly the way this reporter did not think they would go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I must admit to you, I didn't think either of them would be anywhere near that high scoring. Michigan, I thought, was the biggest disappointment of the entire day. Here's a team that comes in with arguably the best offensive line in like football history, you know, the pundits today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, this team, you're, they're going to lay all over TCU and wear them out. <laughs> wear them out my behind. They didn't do that at all. It was TCU that wore them out mm-hmm. with a high-powered offense. I thought Max Duggan played a great game. TCU is no joke. They will be in the championship game. TCU-Georgia will be a really, really, in my opinion, really good football game. Michigan was a major disappointment. It was 51-45 to is the final score. And Michigan did have their moments of glory. But they're, I, I don't understand them. They just do not come through in the clutch, although they did at Ohio State. And here's the Ohio State-Georgia game in which the Buckeyes probably should have won that game. They're up. They're up, what, 38 to 24 at one time in the fourth period? Yeah, yeah. And here come the Bulldogs. Now, you do not – hey, don't mess around with Georgia. They're very, very good. Stetson Bennett, outstanding quarterback, gets the job done, and they're big, and they are fast. And therein lay the big difference. I'm going to tell you the turning point in that game. You talked about the TCU-Michigan game. The turning point in the the game with Ohio State – was the fact that here's Ohio, <laughs> it's in the second half. Ohio State is all lined up for a punt. And uh, they get set to manifest the punt and all that. And they do. Georgia calls a timeout one fraction of a second before they had the play. The coach saw, wait a minute, they're lined up differently. Time, time, time. They didn't get the timeout in time for the play. The play gets called, and it's a fake punt. And he saw that coming, and the fake punt worked, except that he had called timeout a quarter of a second before. It negated the whole thing, Mm -hmm. and then they couldn't fool him. It was a brilliant play by Georgia and their coaching staff. They saw what was happening. Hey, they're lined up wrong. They're lined up for a fake. Stop. (laughs) And they did. And uh, they punt the ball, and two plays later, Here's George in the end zone for a touchdown. That's that's how good that team is. I watched uh, Michigan play a couple of times this year, and they're not a, a great first-half football team, but their physical conditioning and their size wears teams out. And what concerned me about them going into this Final Four is you play these high-powered offensive teams, you get down enough, you you can't implement your will in the second half on a team because – you're having to pass so much, and you right. can't do the running game, and you can't rely on 
big gashing runs like they got against Ohio State to win a game, and I think that's the position that they put themselves in. Especially the fact that Michigan on their first play from scrimmage ran 53 yards. Running Mm -hmm. back goes right down the Edwards kid. He ignites, oh, this is going to be a blowout. That doesn't work that way. doesn't work. You've got to be consistent. And I think you're right, too. Uh, Texas Christian did a terrific job. Sonny Dykes, their coach, is brilliant. He's very my. He comes from a coaching family. His dad, Spike Dykes, was around for years and years and years. And now the son, who is not a kid, uh, was able has been able to uh, implement his system of things with the Horn Frogs, and they play well. They're no joke. They they can get the job done. Just out of curiosity, this is unrelated to it. You know who their opening game is with next year? TCU. They are opening up guys with Colorado. And you know who Colorado's new coach is, don't you? Prime time. Oh, that's right. I forgot that he went to Colorado. Yes, and he's going out there with the prime. We're going to make things a whole lot better. Wait a minute. Who are we playing in that? You're playing who? this game canceled. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Josh, your thoughts. I know uh, you probably felt very vindicated by yesterday's outcome. Sometimes I hate being right. Uh, you know what, though? I'll, I'll say this. I, I'm impressed that TCU beat Michigan because I expected Michigan to do better. Just like you said, I was a little disappointed. I was, I expected Georgia to blow Ohio State out. So that's credit to Ohio State. They're better than I gave them credit for because I never give them credit for being good because I don't like them. But Alabama should have been in that Final Four um, because TCU lost to Kansas State. And I'll say that for it, no team that loses to a lower ranked team should stay the same rank. It just that's why the ranking system is there, and that's and, why we will have twelve teams starting in twenty twenty. And I am so glad that they're going to do that and leave it there. Twelve teams is fine. I would have been happy with eight because that's just an extra week of of playoff games. But if they're going to do twelve, leave it. You've done it. You've got a playoff system. That's all you need in Division One. 12 teams, you get all your major conference champions, you get the at-large bids of teams that are, have a great season and are undefeated but don't play the big teams. Okay, you got your chance. You're number 12 or you're number 10. That will solve a lot of these arguments. I agree. I you, absolutely agree. You converted, Ned. Last week, you were here two weeks ago, and you guys got into it a little bit about Alabama being in that top four, yeah. and uh, Ned was adamant against it. And he came in today and said, what do you think? He goes, Alabama could have beat everybody. Well, I wasn't – no, I'm going to argue with you a bit. <laughs> Not adamant about it, but the mathematics figured against them. They had two losses. You can't right. take a two-loss well, team just revisionist there. history, Dad. And Come on. The two, no, I, he <laughs> did losses, say that. He, that was, was part of his argument. It's my by, birthday. Stop ganging up against me. <laughs> it was by four points. They lost two games by four points. That in and of itself should have been judgmental, but it can't be because right. you can't justify a two-loss team being in there. They should have been. They're a, they're a good enough team to have been there. Yep. And so I I hope that Georgia dominates the national championship. But then I also kind of hope that it's a close game because as long as it's not Michigan or Ohio State, I don't care if it's a close game as long as Georgia wins. But the SEC needs to maintain their dominance in this. I do think Georgia wins it, but I I'll tell you TCU is more than capable. Well, yeah, they they are an impressive team. Yeah, so we're already we, we've got our we've got our picks for that game what do you think well no 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 next week we'll have the picks for the game that, you already said you thought georgia would win you just didn't give the score right That's the score comes with the picks. <laughs> <laughs> i'll say georgia wins by two touchdowns now i'll tell you what will happen before then 
Let's see. The next Sunday's January 8th, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Uh, January 7th, the day before that, is the FCS National Championship right. game. That's a half a step below the big time, and that's two teams from the same conference, two teams who the Bears will play next year, right. South Dakota State and North Dakota State. And North Dakota State is the nine-time national champions. South Dakota State is the number one team in the country. They played each other earlier this year. They played them in Fargo, North Dakota. It's one of North Dakota State's two losses on the year. South Dakota State beat them. I smoked them 23-21. to 21. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what you're going to see in this game. A, uh, this will be a knockdown, dragout game. It's in Frisco, Texas, and it is, to my knowledge, it's next Saturday. Okay. And that will be an absolute dandy. Then two days later is the national championship game. Nice. Yeah, well, just, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Come on. Come on now. All right, we're about uh, 27 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show. We'll be back to discuss some other sports topics right here on your local live sports talk show, Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. We got the Chiefs and the Broncos coming up, kickoff at noon. The pregame show starts in 20 minutes. I wanted to ask you, Ned, because I... um, I have not heard, and you know all sports things, the Pope of sports. <laughs> what, uh, have they scheduled that Chiefs-Raiders game yet? Have, have, I know it was TBD on all the schedules. Have they decided when that game's going to be played? To my knowledge, it's the 3 o'clock game. Okay. Or 3.30, I guess, in this case. But no, I have heard nothing different. You know, we're taking a crowd of Chiefs fans out there. Nice. Like, nice group of people going out there to... Hang out, watch the Chiefs at the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. They're going to be at the Circa Casino and Resort. They're doing a pep rally the night before, and then they are going to take in the game from the Stadium Swim. Big big swimming pool? I guess so. That's a cool idea. Yeah, I guess so. It should be it should be a lot of fun. Mike, the intern, Jay Stevens, going out there for that show. Should be great. I'm really I, I'm jealous. I wish I could go. I wish. We do the sports show. Why aren't we going out we there? We should be doing our show next week from out there in Vegas. That's yeah, right. There's three of us in swim trunks. Let's, in, let's in, do uh, it. In Speedos. Well, we'll do away with that. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> they, don't want to, they might want to hear it, but they don't want to see it. Let's, let's, let's just put it that way. We, uh, you know, uh, there's this, this great myth in, uh, that people die in threes. You know that goes around. And yeah. So, so Barbara Walters passed away. Mm-hmm. Legend of broadcasting. Right. The, uh, the Pope that resigned walked away. And I, by the way, I didn't know that was a job you could quit. Yeah, I didn't know you I could quit. Being pretty much Pope. stuck with that. Aren't you appointed by God? <laughs> pretty much stuck with that job. Yeah. How do you tell God? I'm sorry, I'm not going to do this job anymore. I appreciate the offer, but I'm going to decline. Yeah, I'm going to decline. <laughs> and I and with that guy, I think God was probably like, yeah, okay, uh, yeah. We'll see what's out there next. And then uh, a, a, a legend in sports, and, you know, you could debate this, but I, I would say he's top five athlete of the last century, Pele. 
Well, I, nobody yeah. will argue that at all. As a matter of fact, FIFA, which is the world governing body of soccer, named him the greatest soccer player of the 20th century. Pele is one of these guys who, whose name is associated with the sport. He's one of those very rare individuals who comes along who has really taken the sport, not, not intentionally, but because of his wonderful physical attributes, been able to take that sport worldwide. You, you can look back into history. Babe Ruth was baseball in the 20s. Muhammad Ali was boxing in the 60s and 70s. These are individuals who are able to rise above everyone else. In some respects, you can say Michael Jordan in basketball was, mm-hmm. although preceded by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain, people like that. But Pele was soccer. Everybody knew him. Gosh, I remember when he came to the United States and played for the, I think it's the New York Cosmos, if I'm not mistaken. They only drew 75,000 at Giant Stadium to watch that, watch that, that, wow. uh, that exhibition. The guy was a marvelous athlete. Uh, I uh, had no reason to think that he was not a very good human being as well. Came from poverty in Brazil. He didn't come from any kind of uh, wealthy circumstance in any way and was able to take those skills and take the sport itself. He played for three, get this now, three World Cup champions, three Brazilian teams. I know the first one was 62 and then uh, maybe 68 and 72 or something like that, whatever it was. But he uh, was he was the sport, and there's only a handful, as Joe just mentioned, a handful of athletes who can make the claim that they were that sport. Michael Jordan, Babe Ruth, Pele. You may laugh at the Secretariat. Yeah, oh, no. oh, Secret- oh, yeah. Secretariat was such a dominant athete. Right. And uh, I'm trying to think who else you would put in that category. Well, Muhammad Ali, Wayne Gretzky. Those those guys were th- those that group of people. Yeah, you can go. You can go. Well, Wayne you Gretzky. You can accept that Gordy Howe. Well, yeah, Gordy Howe. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, Jesse Owens too. Jim yeah. Tharp. I mean, uh, there's the, the, it, it, it's degrees. Sure. And and it's really a lot of times it's apples to oranges, but it's fun to sit and talk about how these people changed the way that the game was played. I remember when Pele played, uh, it was uh, he he more or less. I don't know if he invented the bicycle kick or not, <laughs> but he was the only one to actually do it in competition. I think everybody could do it, but they, you know, they would never do it. Right. And and now you see all these guys that do it in actual competition he was the first one he was the guy that did that and when we talk about all the time we josh is a huge soccer fan and ned and i kid him about that because we both agree that soccer is kind of forced down the american throat there was a time in the 70s when soccer had a real opportunity in the united states and a big part of that was the cosmos and a huge part of that was Pele. It was Pele. When I was in the 70s, when I was a kid, when I played soccer as a kid, I remember we went to our coach's house one day and he showed us a documentary about Pele. And it was amazing to me because it showed him, you know, kicking what they called them banana kicks back then, where he could curve the ball with a kick. They showed the bicycle kick. But what he talked about, what Pele talked about in this video was when he was a kid growing up in Brazil, they played soccer with whatever they had. He said, we played soccer with a grapefruit. And so you had to be delicate in the way that you kicked the ball and the way you dribbled the ball because once you broke the grapefruit, you were done because you, you couldn't do it anymore. 
And so it was just amazing to me to think that this guy who at the time he was the world of soccer was Pele and he was talking about such a, a humble beginning and how he developed his skill out of necessity because he was playing with a piece of fruit because that's all they had. It was amazing to me as a kid. And so I've always been a fan of Pele. And then, of course, you know, he was so he had the success. He always had the success that came with who he was. Whereas, you know, you've got a lot of top tier players in any sport that sometimes don't perform at their best on the biggest stage. That was the knock against Lionel Messi until this year's World Cup that he couldn't win a World Cup. Um, that nobody ever had that argument with with Pele. Pele was at the top of his game every time he played. Three, he played in three World Cups, three times World Cup champion. I yeah, mean, that it's hard to repeat in any sport. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about a sport that is played a a championship that's played once every four years, and the level of competition that you see at these World Cups and the athletes that are out there on the field to see somebody go, I'll play in all four, I'll play in these three and I'll win all three of these. He was 17 when he played in his first one. So just, just an amazing athlete. Just, Mm -hmm. and I, and I've heard from all accounts, he was an amazing person, very humble, uh, very, very godly, I think would be the term to use about him. And they, Mm -hmm. and they lit their, they lit their, their um I don't their statue of Jesus in his honor in Brazil, which I it was a very high honor oh, in yeah. Brazil for them to do that for Pele. I mean he's a he's a national legend for them, and uh, you know it's it's rough when we lose these sports legends. It is, and uh, we have lost our share this year too. Oh the, yeah, this year's been rough. But uh, Pele certainly deserves every accolade. I did not realize that that big statue of, of Jesus that's right over Rio de Janeiro. When yeah, I mean they they lit that up for him. They lit that for Pele. That's very. That's and if you don't want to try to go back and watch highlights of Pele playing soccer, watch the movie Victory. Because yeah. all of the soccer in that is him playing soccer. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great film. It is. That's a great. I have. Have you ever seen that, Ned? I have not. No. That's a really interesting. It's about World War Two. Yeah. POWs and they. It's kind of like the longest yard, longest but yard. with World War Two POWs. They play a soccer match against the the German team, and yeah, it has Michael Caine and. Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone, an early Sylvester it? Stallone movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, and they're trying to work out an escape. Yeah, they're trying while to they're, escape. While they're, I hope we're not giving too much away, <laughs> but if you get a chance, watch the movie because Pele's in it. Who wins? I'm not going to give that away. I'm not going to do a spoiler alert. Oh, come on, No, guys. not going to give it away, but watch <laughs> no. the movie. It is great. It is a very and good film. And Pele's, I mean, you get to see how amazing his footwork is and everything. The dribbling, cause, yeah. Yeah, because that's what, I mean, that's what he's doing. That's Pele. That's real. Well, that's what made him so spectacular. It, it was his physical attributes. The man had marvelous God-gift talent in terms of his physical abilities. I mean, how many can do that ridiculous bicycle kick? Oh, I know. Lord. That that's just inhuman. Let alone in competition. Yeah, right. Uh, the whole right set of circumstances has to happen, mm-hmm. and then you have to make a less than a split second decision. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for it. And I remember the world just being blown away when he did it in competition. You land pretty hard on your yeah. back. When oh yeah, you're going to take the physical <laughs> abuse. Ten minutes away from the start of the pregame show. When we come back. We'll have our picks for today's game on Ned Talk.
You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We're just moments away from the Chiefs pregame crew taking over. And it's warmer today in Kansas City, so not the same conditions that the Chiefs faced last week. So it should be better offensively for them and defensively too. And they played the Denver Broncos. We've already established this is not a trap game. But what's your thoughts on who's going to win it? Well, I think Kansas City wins, and, and I think they win it, relatively speaking, easily. But the score may belie that because I do think Denver is going to play a whole lot better football than they did last week. That's not saying much because you can't play much worse than they did. Lost 51-14 to the Los Angeles Rams, and that was just inexcusable, and the coach is gone. New guy will be out there. Do you remember what happened the, in, in the NFL this season when a new guy took over at midseason? Name is Jeff Saturday with the Indianapolis Colts. They won their game. They won their first game that they played. I don't remember. Was it Las Vegas? Is it who they played? Yeah. That... I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember who it was. But I do know they won. Well, that's not going to happen now with Joe Rosberg, but I do think Denver plays a whole lot better football, and I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win this one 31 to, let's say, 31 to 20. What do you think, Josh? Well, I think that's a little wishful thinking that the Broncos are going to play better. I I have a feeling that this team, just because they have a different coach, it's still a guy that was in their organization. They didn't really shake it up that much. Uh, I think they'll still be lackluster. I think the Chiefs will – I think this game will look very similar to last week's in that the Chiefs will methodically score and methodically do their thing. And I think they'll probably win – I don't know. Let's say 27 to 10. We established earlier that you don't think that the last performance from the Chiefs will be stuck in their mind at all. I I kind of think that it will be. I think that the, especially Patrick Mahomes throwing three interceptions is one is going to want to come out and play this game a, a lot differently than he played that game with Denver a couple of weeks ago. And I think that the, the you know, the game was a lot closer than it should have been. True. And a lot of these games over the past few weeks have been a lot closer than they should have been. And I uh, I agree with you. I think the Chiefs are going to come out, punch them in the face, get out to an early lead. But I think they're, they're going to try to tr- tighten things down defensively, stop this team from scoring, because defense is where they really need the help right now mm-hmm. as they go towards the playoffs. So I, I'm going to I'm going to say... 28-10, which is may, maybe what I said first time around. One thing to remember, in that first game that they played out in Denver, the Chiefs led 27 to nothing. Yes, 27 true. to nothing, gang. That's a blowout. Uh, certainly Denver has seen the films, and they're going to do a whole lot a, a different, under a new coach as well, a whole lot of different level to what they're going to do. I, I tell you, I think it'll be a lot closer, but I do think the Chiefs win. Something we haven't talked much about, but is as a key to the Chiefs' success this year is they've stayed relatively healthy. They're healthy going into this game. All of their starters, without except McCole Hardman, are ready to play today. And I think that's part of the factor with how the Chiefs have played this stretch of football is that um, even though 
we like to say they're professional athletes. I think the coaches and the organization starts to look ahead a little bit and say, okay, yeah, playoff positioning, let's do what we've got to do to get where we want to go, set goals for ourselves, win the division, get home field advantage, get into the playoffs, all those things accomplished except the home field advantage. How do they keep the team healthy? And I think that affects the way they play. So we'll True. see. Well, in, in pro football, I don't think there's any method to keeping a team healthy. You keep them in good condition, and your trainers work very carefully with them. But because it's a it's a contact sport, a concussion sport, I don't mean that necessarily head, but a concussion physical sport, you're going to have injuries. The Chiefs have been remarkably fortunate in escaping anything. Now, yeah, you've had the pulled muscles and things like that, but... In terms of serious injury, no, they have been very, very lucky. Well, I honestly think it's a good thing that they're in this battle to get the top spot against Buffalo. So they're going to play harder. They're not going to take plays off. They're not going to put the bench. They're not going to bench anybody. Quick pick: Monday night's game, Cincinnati Buffalo. I think the Bills win in a close one. Buffalo. All right, I'm picking Cincinnati to win that game. Maybe that's hopeful, but Cincinnati's playing extremely well right now. Yeah, they a little are. bit better than Buffalo. All right, guys, get set for a big game, interdivision game between the Chiefs and the Broncos. We will be on the air sometime next week. <laughs> I'm sure Ned and Mike will tell you as the week goes along. Enjoy the game, the Chiefs and the Broncos, right here on 104.7 The Cave. Thanks to Mike, the intern, Corbin Campbell, Brian Tyndall. See you next week. Happy birthday, Joe.